This week on Pop Disquette, as anime fans, we pay tribute to Billy Kemets, one of the most talented voice actors of this decade. Fans from all over began pouring out tributes to him left and right after his recent funeral, and it's such a wonderful sight to see. If you haven't seen any of them on YouTube, definitely go check them out. Also, it's Virgo season, and we're celebrating some of our favorite Virgo characters in media. In case you haven't heard, although I can't imagine that you haven't by now, Disney in all their infinite wisdom has bought the rights to one of the big five in anime. This could be spelling out bad news for the release of Bleach's newest arc if Disney handles Bleach like all their other properties. This week in gaming, we've got some indie spotlight. An engaging puzzle game for everyone to enjoy, Lost in Play brings charm and a refreshingly simple story to the table. We've got some more information on Madden this week as well. Have you all heard of the Madden curse? Is it just superstition or does it hold some weight? Also, Sonic Frontiers makes a jump forward that everyone can appreciate with the release of one of the game's theme songs. And stay tuned for this week's roundtable discussion about one of Cartoon Network's more recent antagonists and their journey to becoming one of the most controversial characters in recent memory. You won't want to miss it. It's Rachel here, and this week in anime news, famous voice actor Billy Tometz passed away at age 35. The funeral was recently held, and family, friends, and fans everywhere are devastated. But today, we're here to celebrate Kometz and his contribution to our lives. If you weren't aware, he voiced several of our favorite anime characters, including Josuke Higashikata from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Nishikata in Teasing Takagi-san, and Nevereth in Owl House. Kometz was praised for his works by his peers for winning the Best Voice Actor Award at the 4th Crunchyroll Anime Awards for his role as Naofumi in Shield Hero. Several tributes were published on YouTube by his many adoring fans, so when you get a chance, go take a look at some of them. And thank you, Billy, for all the hearts you reached across the world. Kakeguri Twins anime release is finally here. The long-anticipated spinoff of our favorite gambling anime has hit Netflix, and it's everything we wanted and more. This time, we focus on Mary Saotome as she enters Hikau Academy, and she gets entangled in its twisted web of lies, cheaters, and of course, money. It's her first year with a new storyline, new lovable characters, and even more boasting of her amazing gambling skills. Mary is dead set on taking the school over using her wit and intelligence. I've already seen part one, and if you think Yumiko had it bad, wait until you see what trouble Mary gets herself into. Following the release of part one of the anime, the manga series' sales have increased exponentially, and we're all dying to see if the anime series will get renewed for part two on Netflix. I'm actually looking forward to seeing that. Oh, it's it's great. Even the uh, art style has slightly changed. Ooh. Yes, it, it's. Even the art style changed. They got more budget. It's really good. I've already rewatched it. You know how I am about being a rewatcher. I've rewatched it like three times already. Ooh. It is pretty interesting too. Well, we'll see. Hopefully, they do part two. I'll be upset if they don't. Happy Virgo season, everyone! It's that time of year where we celebrate our favorite hardworking, very calculating, 
my way or the highway type of anime characters who just can't get enough of the rules. Just to list some of our favorites, we have Kakashi Hatsuke. We can't forget the countless times Kakashi's used intelligence to outsmart his opponents such as Zabuza and Obito. Sailor Mercury, a highly intelligent and calculating Virgo woman, always pushing herself to keep academics balanced, as well as be the group therapist for her life and scout situations. Lastly, Tenyaida, 1A's class rep who's been known to keep the class together by using the rules as a my way or highway type of mindset. These characters and so many more are the main reason groups and teams all over anime are held together and are able to execute so many intricate plans. Flawlessly at that. Hats off to you, Virgo and Anime. We salute you. Florida, and I'm here to talk about my two favorite things, Bleach and anime. So with the release of Bleach's new arc, Thousand Year Blood War, less than a month away, it's been rumored that the mouse may have gotten his hands on the Big Five, or on one of the Big Five. You know, Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, Fairy Tale, Bleach, the OGs. Rumors still have not confirmed that the highly anticipated Bleach movie, Hellverse, will be streaming on Disney Plus just yet. But we have found out that Thousand Year Blood War arc will not be simulcast. For those who don't know, simulcast refers to the fact that new weekly episodes of Japanese anime become available to a worldwide audience on the same day, if not having a few hours delay. Crunchyroll is known for simulcasting the anime series, but if Disney gets its hands on it, and we know how Disney loves to lock away episodes of our favorite shows, and release them with a few weeks delay, like our house, but that's a different topic for a different day, then we already know where this is headed. The same goes for Netflix, with such shows as JoJo Part 6 being released in batches. The point is that anime fans are displeased. Example, Disney Plus has exclusive streaming rights for summertime rendering anime series that aired in Japan during the spring that's in 2022 April through June season. Oh, I didn't know they, they had those rights to that show. They got it and they keeping it locked away. I've watched that show. <laughs> That's disappointing. <laughs> that is disappointing. Well, <laughs> you ain't finna see it. But Disney Plus has not given any updates about when the series will be available for worldwide fans outside Japan. Because of this, fans resort to piracy sites with low quality subtitles to enjoy the series. You know, you know those, those choppy subs that don't make sense. So, Bleach won't be simulcast and will most likely be released either with weeks delay of the episodes or Disney will wait for the arc to complete and release it in one go. Now, it's rumored to have 60 episodes to release weekly, so you do that math. I should note that nothing has been officially announced as of yet, but we'll keep you updated.
the Mobius. What's up, y'all? I got some game news. And the first thing I wanted to talk to y'all about was a game called Lost in Play on the Switch. It's made by indie developer Happy Juice Games, and it follows a girl, gal, and her brother Toto as they play in real life and their imaginations where they solve all types of puzzles to progress through it all. Going on a wild ride from their front yard to a robot graveyard to 10,000 leagues under the sea, it definitely is a game for everyone, but it may be a little on the easy side if you're grown. Most of the puzzles do require a bit of thought and luck to get through. Overall, it's a charming game, a nice romp, nice art direction too. It feels like a Saturday morning cartoon and you'll be traversing the world with no real spoken words and using the context clues given to you because the characters in the game speak complete gibberish. It was cute and I just wanted to talk about it. And for those of you who don't have a Switch, you can play this game on PC. And for those of you who don't have either of those, we can talk about something else. Last time on the show, I talked about Madden NFL 23, the latest release in the series. Have any of you ever played Madden before? No, no. no. I don't do it. That's game. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I just, I can't. I can't. It's not enough for me. It's, it's not my cup of tea. It's not my cup of tea. Wow. <laughs> well, then, the news that I have for you today will be shocking. So, I used to play Madden back in the day. I'd mentioned to all of you before that there was a strange phenomenon that went along with the Madden games that you guys didn't seem to really know about. Of course you didn't, because you didn't play Madden. So, it's okay. I'm here to explain it to you. Now, if you're old like me, you know Madden features someone on their cover every year. And from the time it started in the lovely year of 1988, John Madden himself was featured on the cover until Madden 99 was out. And they featured players then from the previous year who were superstars in their own right and downright cold at what they'd done on the field the previous year. Just a side note, John Madden is on the cover this year for Madden NFL 23 to honor his legacy and his passing away on December 28th, 2021. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a sad day. He changed the way football was played immensely, but that's a story for another time. So the thing that I came to talk to y'all about today was the players featured on these covers. It seemed that the very football season after their Madden cover debut, these athletes would have horrible records for the season, poor performances, or more often than not, injuries that led to sitting out massive portions of the season. It's what was called the Madden curse. If you are announced for the cover, get ready to run for it. You're going to have a rough next season. So the curse is still said to exist to this very day, but most of it took hold from Madden 99 every year until Madden 2012. A couple of these I'll include. The very first cover, Garrison Hurst, 1999. He was a 49er. In a playoff game, he broke his ankle on the Georgia Dome turf, and it was darn near a career ender for him. Uh, 2002, Vikings quarterback Dante Culpepper suffered a season-ending knee injury 
in a game against the Steelers. And that's the year the term Madden curse began to take hold. So 2009, Packers quarterback Brett Favre, the Madden team thought to honor the legendary quarterback with the cover as he just announced his retirement at the end of the previous season. Favre had been playing in Green Bay since 1992. Favre decided later that he wasn't done with the game and did a little take backsies and was in the league again playing in the next season but immediately was traded to the New York Jets. When the cover came out with him in a Packers jersey, fans were furious. Sound like straight up betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> so. From 1999 to 2012, the curse struck just about every year, actually every year. Since 2012, the timing of the curse has been pretty spotty, so there may not be anything to it but nonsense. Do you guys think the Madden curse exists? Let us know what you think in the comments and on social media. And you can play Madden NFL 23 on PC, Switch, Xbox Series X, S, PS4, and the Burj Khalifa's little sister, the PS5. Get ready to pay up for those things too, because Sony announced that they were increasing prices for the system worldwide, except for the US. This potentially sucks for everyone, because due to a worldwide shortage recently, they were barely available until now. And I think maybe a lot of people are gonna be waiting even longer to get them, unless they can pay the price. So what you guys think? Y'all buying PS5s? I already got some twit pictures available for sale. Wow. I want to get the PS5. <laughs> it's just, it seems so unattainable. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't seem like something in my price range right now. Yeah. Though. Good luck. here and oddly enough Sonic's making a return to his early 2000s shonen roots and it's a throwback we didn't know we needed but it is one we greatly appreciate the full ending theme for the upcoming Sonic Frontiers was released September 6th and by the official Sonic the Hedgehog Twitter account no less and I've been listening to it on repeat since then no seriously as I'm writing this I'm listening to it now I won't sit here and tell you that I'm not a fan of a good J-Rock song because then I'd be a liar Yes, I said J-Rock, even though the song is sung in English. Sonic Frontier's ending theme of Vandalize by Japan's one Ock Rock is an absolute banger of an ending theme. Vandalize is just a return to form fans of the series have been waiting for. The song's release is in line with past music from Sonic's most iconic soundtracks. Live and Learn by Crush 40 and His World by Zebrahead come to mind as noteworthy rock songs that worked very well for the series and got high praise back in the day. Personally, I haven't been this hyped for a Sonic game since the Adventure Era games. Not that there haven't been any genuinely good games since then. Specifically Colors, the original Wii version, Generations, and of course, the beloved Mania. However, I was on the fence about whether I wanted to place my faith in another Sonic game after being disappointed by Forces' poor execution and still taking the disaster that was Sonic's 15th anniversary title personally the release of the trailer footage to this song flipped some switch I didn't know was there, and it pulled me right on in. I got to thinking, 
if this is the ending theme, how will the rest of the soundtrack sound? Of course, there's more to a game than just its music, and I'll definitely be waiting to see if the gameplay and story live up to the music selection. Though, with what's been released so far in the way of gameplay footage, including a distinct lack of on-the-rails linearity that's become a staple of Sonic games in recent years, and the expressiveness of the character and cutscene footage, it's hard to understate my expectations. If the music is anything to go by though, I have very high hopes for this one. Sonic Frontiers releases November 8th on Nintendo Switch, PS4 and PS5, Xbox Series S and X, Xbox One, and PC. Adriel here, and this week's villain is a bit controversial. She's got a scream that can crack walls, glass, and even gems. Don't let the fluffy pink hair fool you, she can be just as powerful as her fellow diamonds, if not more terrifying. Put your arms and hands in a rhombus shape and give it up for Pink Diamond! Pink Diamond, also known as Rose Quartz, gave up her gem and form to create a child with her human partner, Greg Universe. Seen as a staple gem to her closest companions, Rose Quartz embodied peace and love and being your true self. As the seasons of Steven Universe progressed, following a young boy with magical powers gifted to him by his mother, the show and its characters began to question who Rose Quartz truly was, especially her son. Yearning to know more about his mom in order to understand himself is a journey Rose Quartz set Steven on unintentionally. However, as her secrets unravel, so does Steven's identity. Could he possibly meet the expectations the Crystal Gems had of him, or would he fail and get left behind? He was expected to even deal with her problems as if they were his own. These types of fears only grew as Steven got older, having to force down his experiences while keeping a smile on his face because that's what he thinks his mom would do. Rose Quartz was far from a perfect person. Even though Pearl, of all people, talked her up to be some type of divine goddess, Rose even withheld important information from her as well. Despite being Rose's second-in-command and oldest friend, besides Spinel, but we'll talk about that later. But before she was a crystal gem, she was a diamond. Younger and smaller, but a diamond nonetheless. Despite her earlier disputes with the Diamond Authority ending in temper tantrums, cracked walls, and damaging her Pearl servant, the Diamonds decided she would claim and colonize the planet Earth with her new Pearl at her side. Realizing that creating new gems was draining the Earth of its life force, leaving nothing behind in the wake of her soldiers, Pink Diamond begged her fellow Diamonds to allow her to stop the invasion. Nothing she said swayed them, so her plan was to fake her own death. She needed Pearl for this to work and ordered Pearl to never say anything about this plan or who she was truly. She was aware of the bond she and Pearl had and that Pearl's dedication knew no bounds. She knew Pearl felt like nothing without her and would even die for her. And Pink Diamond used this attachment against Pearl, dragging her along with little to no acknowledgement of this power imbalance or Pearl's feelings for her. Another example of how Rose Quartz misled her friends was when she lied to everyone else about what happened to Bismuth, their blacksmith and another close friend. Bismuth wanted to end the war for good, so she decided to create a weapon that could shatter a diamond. 
Thinking this would be counterproductive and instead of telling Bismuth the truth, she decided to hide her way in a bubble because she disagreed with her tactics. This pattern of Rose Court's decisions being based on her knowing what's best has a rippling effect that mainly backfired on the people closest to her. Steven even had to stand trial in front of the Diamond Authority for a crime he didn't even do. At a very young age, he was faced with unresolved issues due to his mother's poor decisions. He is expected to be able to lead and be more powerful than his mother was. This amount of pressure that was put on Steven was enough to even make him crack. The Rose Quartz persona was a symbol of perfection, but in reality, she was often selfish and thoughtless. Her actions show that she was never ready to be vulnerable with the people she claimed to care about. She thought she knew what was best running away, never truly facing the issue at hand. She didn't seem to grow and everyone around her seemed to accept that, even though it caused them emotional pain in the long run. Spinel, a gem that was left to stay on the planet and wait for Pink Diamond is another example of how careless she was. Spinel was a toy for Pink Diamond to play with and when she wanted to seem more mature, that's how fast she left Spinel. I mean, think about it. She didn't even have the decency to give her away to another gym. She just left her there to stand in one spot for 6,000 years. Of course, to a gym, that may be nothing, and they do tend to live for longer than that. But the fact that Pink Diamond knew that she had no choice but to listen to her and use that to her advantage instead of communicating with her about why she couldn't take her to Earth could have saved them both the trouble. Steven had to deal with an enraged and hurt Spinel, and after all that he's been through, still couldn't truly relax and be himself because there's always more work to do. Steven had to come to terms with never being able to have a peaceful life no matter what he does. Rose Quartz never stood up and took responsibility for her actions, and now her son and friends have to pay the price. Her negligence and refusal to grow would change like the humans she was so fascinated by had a damaging ripple effect on the people of Earth. It's even worse when you realize the other crystal gems did change. They grew and learned more about the Earth and what living on that planet means. So that means Rose was capable of doing that too. She just chose not to. So instead of the question I asked you all last week, this one's a little different. What makes Pink Diamond a villain in general? Well. Answer only that question. Well, since she would make new, like she'd make gems and stuff and she was supposed to be a tyrant and she was an advocate for child abuse. I think that what makes Pink Diamond a villain is that she never answered for her crimes, basically. She she kind of ran away and was a coward instead of like facing, because, but nobody ever taught her that. I mean, that's, that's it's like a two-sided coin, really. Like, is she really a villain or is she uh, a victim of abuse from her other diamond counterparts? But even then, still, there's no excuse. I'd like to think that she is both. And I think a lot of villains are not just the decisions they make, but the way they go about doing things as well. And I think that she was, she was a villain. And I feel like her sequential decisions 
I'm like her, like the, the stakes were getting so high that like she was kind of getting into like a damned if I do, damned if I don't situation in a lot of her situations. It's like, oh, well, I could, I, I could take Spinel to Earth. But then what? I'm going to fight a war. Spinel want to play. Even before she said, you know, let's play a game, she was like, no, stay here. She's like, well, I'm coming anyway. So how long would that have lasted if she took her with her? Because you know, when she left, she left and then she went to Earth and then from there, things started progressing to the war. So it's like, by the time the war settled down, she had Steven. Yeah. I don't think the intention was to never come back for Spinel. She probably just forgot about she, it. She couldn't. She was gonna come back. The war, the oh, war yeah. was going on, and then she gave birth and no longer existed. Oh yeah, that's true. So she probably yeah, she couldn't have came back as Pink Diamond because at the time Pink Diamond Pink Diamond no longer existed. Even so. if she wanted to come back, she couldn't go back as Pink Diamond because how is she gonna explain to Spinel? Yeah, I got into this whole mess. Oh, shoot. And I'm no longer Diamond, but I am your Diamond. But I'm gonna have this baby and disappear. Now that would have been a whole other Steven Universe movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, she, she, she yeah. But I, like I said, I think before, like she could have probably, like I don't know, given her away or given her back to the diamonds, and like, hey, here, I don't have any use for this anymore. Could you find a place to put her or something instead of just like leaving her there, causing all this internal, like like questions and just like oh should i move well that implies that she cared about anybody other than herself in the first place that's true which that's also another man i think she didn't in the beginning i think she i still think the entire steven universe story is her development in reverse Mm. from diamond to steven yeah because like you said at first intent is everything Mm -hmm. and i feel like she never really had the intent to care about other people it was all about what she wanted, her colony, yeah. you know, just being able to find her own independence from the diamonds because she didn't like the way they did things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she was like, she was a runaway. So the intent, like her her decisions were scarring. Yes, she made terrible, she made terrible decisions. But do I think that her intentions were always bad? No. Yeah. Like I said earlier, I know, yeah. Do I feel like her intentions were always bad and always selfish? No. I think in a lot of her situations, it's like, well, what would have been the alternative? Would yeah. that really have worked? Yeah. So she's yeah. Just picking. It's like she was picking. Okay. With everything that happened, like, was she really left with much choice? Because, like I was saying before, the lie got so big, she didn't know like where to cut things off. It just mm-hmm. kept ballooning until it became too big. Mm-hmm. And it's like based on the situations, the situations are terrible decisions they put her in. She had she had to keep going. Because you think about it, turning into the whole thing about turning into Rose Quartz, what was the alternative to keep Earth from getting blown up? Yeah, they wouldn't listen to her like at all. <laughs> she was too she was probably too like She's not powerful enough to actually stop all three of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so. She was like, wait, I found this planet. It's full of life. We don't have to destroy it. And they're like, nope, you got it. Destroy it. Yeah. 
Okay, but one planet. Happened. But then she turned it to Rose Quartz. They want to blow it up even more. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, because Rose Quartz was painted as the villain, the one who shattered Pink Diamond. Yeah. So when it finally came down to it and the diamonds were going to destroy the planet, you know, Rose could only protect Garnet, Amethyst, and Pearl. And Pink didn't well, think. Amethyst would be. She, she didn't yeah. think at that time that that's what was going to happen. She didn't go into the Steven birth thinking, oh, one day the diamonds might come back. She never thought, because they think that she's dead. At and she point. thought it was over, because yeah. they stopped coming. And she didn't have any, any idea about the cluster thing. Oh, yeah. That, so, yeah. I always think of Pink as like, I feel like Pink could have potentially been Steven without his support system, in a way, to an extent. And maybe not fully. I mean, even in Steven Universe Future, that's what he became. Yes. He became Pink Diamond. You know, without Steven's support system. Because mm -hmm. Steven was like holding it all in, basically. Just trying to move forward, but without talking to anybody about it because he thinks they wouldn't understand. He's like, you're not in my shoes. Like, I've been through all these things and I got to keep going. I got to be the leader. That, and for a while, he thought that was normal. Yeah. Because yeah. he's like, well, I'm a gym. This is what gyms do, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he started internalizing it more. Yeah. He didn't know any better. And there was nobody to tell him better because he never talked to anybody. And gyms have like, they live a long time. So like they, if something's bothering them, they'll eventually get over it. They have a long lifespan to get over things that happened like years ago. But Steven has- I disagree. So well, I think okay, that's well, yeah. that's, that's true. true. That's true. Because you know, Jasper and oh. Lapis are a thing. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. true. Never mind. <laughs> I, mean, I think time just makes it worse. Yeah, and environment. Because a lot of the homeworld gyms didn't develop all of the emotions and regards for their for their actions or mistakes mm -hmm. as the ones that the Crystal Gems did. Okay. Yeah, I see that. Because in homeworld, that's not a thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everybody does a specific thing. Mm. Good, good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got anything else? I feel like we sufficiently answered the question. Yeah. <laughs> villain, yes. She, she's definitely she's villain. villain. Because, um, you go through trauma, he's like, hmm, I'm going to put some more people through it. This is nice. Yeah, that, that villain mindset kind of stirs up. Once you've been abused so many times, you're like, well, I got to go through it. Why can't they? Yeah, they'll be fine. Garnet can't ask any kind of question, like, through the whole. The, the whole, whole series. series. Garnet ain't asked not one question because she was like, never question this, don't ask questions. And Garnet took this shit to heart and not asked not one question. But was that the intention? Was the, intention so. was the intention just not for her to not question herself as Garnet? Her intent was to not ask questions about the war, but Garnet took it to the next level and didn't ask questions about anything ever because it was easier to not ask questions than it was to face down the person you know is becoming a villain. That's why Pearl never said anything either. I'm gonna talk about Pearl. I'm talking about Pearl too. Because Pearl had this thing that she did that I see people do in real life. Compartmentalize? No. Oh. You know what, sure, fine, fine. So Pearl knew, she, she knew. Okay. She knew that Pink was you know, she knew she had feelings for her and Pink knew that the feelings were there for each other. Mm -hmm. But instead of Pearl, I feel like it was irresponsible on both their ends because instead of, Pink knew what was going on and chose not to speak up about it. 
But Pearl, instead of being direct with her feelings, she was very passive-aggressive, as Pearl is passive-aggressive in general. Yes. So she would never say, oh, I feel this way about Greg. I have these feelings for you. Let's pursue them. It was always, well, let me go be passive-aggressive towards Greg. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that she was illegal somewhere. Like a diamond being but, in a relation with a Pearl. But it wouldn't. It wasn't illegal on Earth. They no, were on Earth. They could Earth. be. Pete was trying to knock her own self down for being a diamond. Mm -hmm. She was trying to say, we're all equal. Mm -hmm. But of course, the other gems never saw it that way because like the symbol of authority is Mm -hmm. here with us. Mm -hmm. And they've been doing this for so many thousands of years. It's hard for them to break out of that mindset of I'm my own being, as we saw in the future. Some of them were still struggling to break out of their everyday jobs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, all right. That is all the time we have for today. We hope you guys will join us next week for another great show. Thanks for tuning in.